power play team generally doesn't isn't the one doing hits, uh, even trying to create hits. They're trying to they're trying to pass the puck. Oh, they're it, trying to possess the puck. It was a purely opportunistic thing by Ellis. He yeah. saw Brown. He was everyone was was, was pissed off yeah. and saw Brown and and took advantage of him in a very vulnerable position uh, and and just said, hey, now is time for some classic hockey justice, which is right where now, well, injuries come from. Well, Ellis said it was like. I didn't see him. He hit me or came at oh, me. Yeah, right. But then Sissons beforehand was like, "Oh yeah, Ellis saw a opportunity and oh, took it." I, right. Because <laughs> Roman Yossi is missing his bodyguard now. I mean, just you just watch that hit from any number of the angles that are available. And Ellis, I mean, there, Ellis said that to cover his ass. That's the only reason Ellis said that because it's so blatantly obvious what he was doing that it's a little bit embarrassing but he has to do it. Now, if this were if this were an RPG and and we're t- we're t- taking damage points, I think JT Brown definitely definitely dealt out more damage points in the whole game because of his hit on Yossi, because of what he did afterwards on on Ellis and he wrecking the, wrecking that guy's phone. Wrecking that guy's phone after the game. I, I mean, can't believe he didn't get fined for oh, that. Oh no, that I mean you're not so you can't do that. I mean, the guy was was filming him. I don't know if there was, the audio didn't sound like he, the guy was taunting him or anything. Mm-hmm. Even if he did, you cannot touch a fan. Like, right. You just can't. Yeah. It, no. The whole scenario was just insane. And so then the next day, we all sit around waiting to find out what's going to happen, if there's going to be anything at all. Silence from the league office. And who was in attendance at the game Monday night? Gary Bettman. Granted, he was on his phone doing email most of the time. Um, if you, anytime, look, people are like, "Oh, look, he's sleeping." I'm like, "No, he's looking at his phone again, <laughs> playing Candy Crush." Yeah, I'm sure he was. He was probably uh, helping the uh, the league put together their their proposal for the CBA extension. Ah, uh, right, probably. He was probably on Cap Friendly playing with a little expansion yeah. draft tool. Coming up, freaks. And welcome back to the show that's feeling the chill, the icy chill of, of a wintry blast outside, and it's just getting a little bit colder with each loss as well. Uh, you're listening to the Predcast, brought to you by OnTheForeCheck.com. I'm Alex. I'm here with Link and Maria. How are you guys doing? You, I mean, you, you're leaning with the wintry blast. I, uh, as I mentioned before the show, I spent last week in Chicago for work, and that is a wintry blast every single day. I flew in to snow. I had my first flight can- of the. I had a six a.m. flight canceled for snow. Oh man! Um, so I mean that, and then it was actually flurry when I left. What what temperature are we talking? Um, so the the one time I was outside, I mean, we were talking about in the low te- teens at times. Okay. So I mean, it didn't really get a bu- much above like the mid twenties while I was there. Okay. And the hotel I was at was right on the lake. Mm-hmm. So we also had all of the cold air blowing in off the lake. Yeah. Uh, so the wind chill now, was I, brutal. I stayed at a hotel on the lake in Chicago, and it was it was a nice experience. It was in the summertime, though, so it was very this was This was December. Yeah. This was the first week of, full week of December. It was brutal. And, uh, wow, uh, you see a lot of people wearing Blackhawks gear. I also drove um, in a Uber past... The Blackhawks retail store in downtown Chicago. I've seen that. Um, wow. wow. I mean, I, I guess it's not shouldn't be surprising. I saw an Andrew Shaw but, jersey in this in the window. But and I, I kid you not, I definitely, without a doubt, saw more uh, Chicago Blackhawks gear than Cubs gear, and and I wow. think that'd be still be pretty fresh. Yeah, the the win. Now, granted, I saw a lot of Cubs gear for sale. <laughs> 
Yeah. A lot a lot of Cubs gear for sale all over the place. Yeah. But I saw Hawks jerseys, hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, everything mm. all over the place. Mario, you been traveling at all or? I have not here. done any traveling. I've done a whole lot of like arts and crafts, Christmas shopping. It's like yesterday I knitted a scarf, and what did the Preds do? Absolutely nothing. Did you knit a Predator scarf or just a scarf? No, it was just a scarf. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, it has been uh, it has been a depressing week. Let's, let's be honest. The Preds played four games this week, and they went 1-3-0. and oh. That is a grand total of two points out of uh, eight. Um I think I'm on record from last week saying anything that I thought they should be able to pick up six points. I think we all did. Five or six, yeah. 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 We definitely were all on five or six. I think most of us were, were thinking Avalanche win, Coyotes win, Flyers, maybe it's close. So we, kind of, we all kind of chalked up the Stars loss, which was <laughs> foregone conclusion. Um, and it definitely looked that way on the ice. But the Predators are now 3-9-2 and two on the road, which is second to last in the NHL. Fewest road points. I'm sorry. Second to last in the NHL in, f- in fewest road points. The Islanders have fewer. They have five. Predators have eight. Um, you know, Preds are a good home team, but but on the road, it's just they're not getting it done. It's a it's a full Murphy's Law effect. Anything that can go wrong seems seems to go wrong. Um, I mean, if it's not the inability to, to you know throw 35 40 shots on net and not get a single goal or, or, or only get one goal or if it's you know Pecorine going on a home stand and, and having a, a 9-5 saber essentially hitting the road and immediately switching over to, to like a 7-5 mm-hmm. it, it's if it's not one thing it's the other yeah. uh and and it's hard to say if the team is just I don't know groggy on the road or they don't sleep well traveling or they don't do well with with takeout. Um, <laughs> that, that, well, that's true. I, I mean, I, we know about that. It could be any number. I, yeah, it's, just, it started, it's I so mean, hard. There was that West Coast. On. There was that West Coast road swing where they were terrible. There was the Detroit situation. Um, it, these little mini road trips where they've gone for like two games have not turned out well. I don't know. Is it just? I mean, they're at least good at home. Yeah, it does seem to be like a Murphy's Law situation. Like, the Fords can't get the puck out, the defense doesn't know what they're doing, and every time that happens, the puck gets up in the net because Rainey doesn't make a save. Mm-hmm. So, the defense isn't always going to be good. Peck is not expected to stop everything, but everything's going in right now. And on top of that, Peck is, I mean, this is kind of a, I still think it's one of the, the chintzy sort of scat, stats. Um, but, like, even Pekka's high danger save percentage is, is down from last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything like- else is up. But his high danger is down. And is that a great measure? Not really sure yet, but you don't want to see that number go down. Well, there were definitely some high danger opportunities that he could have saved over these last four games that he did not save, uh, mostly due to um, what has become a, a theme over the last few few games, just really bad defensive play. I mean, there's been a lot of breakdowns. Part of that is definitely due to the loss of Ryan Ellis, um, having to put Matt Irwin with Roman Yossi, uh, relying on guys like Petter Granberg and uh, Yannick Weber for more minutes. Um, Adam Party made an appearance. Uh, there's just all kinds of all kinds of defensive shuffling. I, I mean, I don't know. Is 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 the loss of Ryan Ellis that big? Has has that been that big of a loss? I, I think in that it, it there's two things. I think one it destabilizes the lower pairings because Matt Irwin has shown that he can absolutely play. Um, good minutes. He's not a liability. Um, 
he's a solid player. So when you have to move him up, all of a sudden, as, as you mentioned, Alex, you've got Granberg you're trying to filter, and you're trying to figure out if Party may be able to work. Uh, so I think that's a challenge uh, for the team. And also, and, and this has been echoed, is is you know Ekholm has definitely had more has has definitely had more mistakes per game this year. He he's he's visibly making more mistakes. Uh, I don't know if he's a worse defender on the the grand scale of the universe. But he's certainly making more mistakes, and, and they're very visible, and, and they're causing some serious problems. And he, and he's not necessarily making up for it at the other end either. I mean, he's I, what, does he have does he have a goal? I, I, I don't even have it in front of me. But regardless, the the defense has been a, a, a problem recently. On top of Pecorine coming down to earth, um, so we're going to talk about obviously these these four games. We're going to break them down. Um, we're going to talk about uh, maybe moving forward. What what are some things to change? We're going to. Take some of your Twitter rants, Twitter questions slash rants um, a little bit later on. But let's start with last Sunday. The uh, Predators hosted the Flyers here in town just after we finished the last week's Predcast. Um, the Flyers game was at like five last Sunday. And um, the Predators basically decided to leave Wayne Simmons just uh, hanging out in front of the net for pretty much the whole night. I guess that's kind of what you what you that was the I game mean, plan. Uh, yeah, that that seemed to definitely be the plan. And and if you're Wayne Simmons, that's exactly what you want to happen. Yeah. Granted, Wayne Simmons doesn't really care whether or not you try and stop him <laughs> in front of the net. He's going to do what he does. I mean, there's a reason why he picked up a few years ago the um I, the original. There was a film because the name always sounds weird. There was this film called Midnight Meat Train. It was a it was a horror movie, um, like a slasher movie about a guy in a. Uh, 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 Subway murders. Subway yeah, okay. Subway. So there's the whole the whole name makes sense. He yeah, slaughtered for you. Yeah, okay. Now he's that. So people like started calling him um, Wayne Simmons. They started calling him Meat Train because he would just like ah. plow through and just <clears throat> slaughter everybody. Just in the front. Of the uh, head, yeah. And now it's just like Wayne Train kind of st- you know became the thing. So yeah, he just tosses everyone aside. Well, uh, he was he was murdering predators yeah. all all I, night. He's last. he's got like everything you'd want like a power forward type guy, um, including the ability to skate, which a lot of power forwards never came with. So. That's very true. I mean, he's just it, leaving him alone. And if you, and I, don't, I, I just didn't seem like, from someone who watches more Flyers games than the average Predators fan, mm-hmm. that uh, the Predators weren't prepared for the Flyers. Um, like, they didn't know how to handle them. They, they weren't covering the right players all the time. Yeah. You know, everyone was like, oh, Oh, who would have thought that, that Raffle would have scored? I mean, that was his fifth goal of the season for, for a depth, like a deep depth scorer guy. You can't not cover Raffle. Well, I think they covered him. It's just he got around Ekholm, and I think that was that was surprising to some people. And and Soros, wow. you know, Soros played for the for the for the Predators, and uh, you know, forgive us for being apologists here, but when you leave Wayne Simmons in front of the net on two power play goals, what is UC Soros supposed to do? I mean, <laughs> so, so Wayne Simmons gets two power play goals in that game. Um, really, for the most part, the, the Flyers outplayed the Preds I mean, for the first first two periods. Um, the the Flyers were out playing. I mean, obviously, once the Flyers went up three uh, two, the Predators started started you know kicking it in high gear and, and generating some scoring chances at the other end. But then the Flyers scored anyways and uh, made it four two and uh, with an empty netter. Um, you know, the problem for the Flyers most of the year has been their goaltending. Uh, they had going into that game, they were the second worst defense in the league, and most of that was because of the goaltending. Mm-hmm. But Steve Mason played incredibly well, and he's been he's really been playing well. well. I think the, pre- the Predators, the Flyers are, they had, as of yesterday, I think they had seven or eight wins in a row. I think they have eight, yeah. Um, I mean, so they've been, yeah, they, they, they took their biggest, I mean, their two biggest issues is, is Defensive play going backwards. I mean, they're really good going forwards on, with their defense defensive men, but and then goaltending those two big glaring issues. And you know, 
man, I have to say, being a split party on this one, mm-hmm. Pred's Twitter for this was surly. <laughs> it was. It's like everyone, if it wasn't going after Philly fans, which you kind of get immune to, mm-hmm. like because, because being like, oh, the whole Santa Claus battery, you know, all the Philly fans, that's the same thing that, that you know, Predators fans deal with when it comes to, like, the hee-haw crap, like the rednecks. Sure. It's this, this. It's been going on so long that it's sort of like, move on, we mm-hmm. have, yeah. um, even though we know it's never going to end. Um, and there's always that one guy. There's always that one guy who, you know, makes the makes it all true again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's just weird because going into this, the Flyers are above the Predators in the standings. They're seven points. They're in a wild card, card spot right now, seven points clear of being out of wild, a wild card spot. And the Predators are two points outside of a wild card spot fighting to get in. So, I mean, it's like it, this isn't like it's a pushover team for the Predators right now because mm-hmm. realistically, the Predators are struggling. That's what we're talking about today. That's what we're talking about a lot today. Yeah. Is about those problems, and so these teams that come in, especially from the East, that we may say, "Oh, these guys shouldn't be a big deal; they should finish these guys." We have to start thinking about, you know, how do they really match up? How do the Predators actually beat some of these teams that they may be more on par with than really anyone even at this table might have thought of going into the season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a lot less upset about that loss after having watched the Flyers twice more last week. Um, first beating the Oilers and then beating the Stars. I mean, they are. A- a good team right now so I'm not that upset about that it's just the absolutely lackluster effort the leaving Wayne Simmons in front of Yusei Saros on his only what fourth third or fourth start that sort of thing that was just utterly inexcusable I think what you said about the Predators were un- unprepared to play them I, what I what I saw is a team that just assumed hey we're gonna go out and we're gonna score five goals on this team so we can just play an up-tempo style we'll just let Saros do you know make some nice saves occasionally but you know we'll come out of here with a 5-4 win that's yeah, obviously not what happened. The, the, the Flyers have six defensemen. Only one of them is, is Andrew McDonald. The, the other five, mm-hmm. even even Mark Streit, are pretty damn good. Right, Gudis maybe not, but yeah. Well, Gudis when he's not losing his mind, yeah, exactly. it, he can he can do fine. The Brent, issue is that he loses his mind and probably should be suspended continuously. Right, exactly. He's on permanent sort of... Uh, yeah, but he's like... I think he's like a fine... I mean, if you have to ice him five, six defensemen, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, He just needs to, you know, probably be suspended more often. Right. He's adequate when he shouldn't be in the NHL. Yes. And, and, and <laughs> not in the NHL for, for behavioral reasons, yeah, I would exactly. say. Yeah. So the the Flyers get uh, get four goals. The the Predators only get two. Um, Yarncroc uh, tipped a Ekholm goal in front. Um, and, uh, I'm sorry, Ekholm a shot. And then Colin Wilson gets a, a nice deke and uh, scores. But... But really, this game was lost, you know, based on the defensive play of the Predators. Um, Soros stopped 24 of 27. Um, of course, three of those coming with him and three of the goals coming with him in net. One was an empty netter. Uh, one thing I found interesting here, uh, and this is sort of a trend, and we're going to talk about this particular player for the Predators. Guess which forward got the most shifts in the third period for the Predators? Uh, Mike Ribeiro. <laughs> no, I need this is a this is a real this is actually a good thing. Victor oh, okay. Arvidsson? Victor Arvidsson. Nice. Victor Arvidsson got mo- the most shifts in the third period. Now I didn't check all the other all the other games. Uh, the, Ar- the Avalanche game might have been different because the Preds were leading. But it does seem like when this team needs a goal, Laviolette is more than willing to put Arvidsson out there for for more minutes than than some some other players you might expect. Mike Fisher, Colin Wilson. I mean, it's just sort of something that that you notice. Laviolette definitely trusts. Victor Arvidsson to generate shot attempts and go crazy in the offensive zone because he knows it works. Um, so, anyways, they—it's it, just something that, that 
there were there was a, a solid chance at the end there to try to tie it up, but then you know obviously it didn't happen. So the Predators lose that one. Um, a, a disappointing loss, given how much the Flyers have just taken off over the last week and and, and prior to, prior to that as well, certainly makes you feel differently about it. And uh, and the Flyers, you know, if if they get their if if Steve Mason is finally back to at least some level that he's capable of. You know, obviously, probably probably the, the Neuwirth injury was probably a good thing because it, it sort of solidified that goaltending position for them. But but I love Neuwirth. Yeah, my favorite. <laughs> I like Mason more. I just generally like Neuwirth. Does no, he have I, a dog with an Instagram? I, 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 don't, I don't know. Wait, what is this? Steve Mason's dog has an Instagram. What's the dog's name? I don't recall, actually. Okay. Well, that's cool. I wish, he's, I wish he just named his dog after himself. So his dog's name was just Steve Mason. <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, the, the most in the most recent Beneath the Ice, the uh, star of the show was uh, Ryan Johansson's dog Doug, which was a wait. Was a that good... Shea, wasn't Shea Weber's dog named Doug? Yeah, it's just different spellings. Oh, it, they, I there's so jo, Ryan Johansson brought a dog named to town named Doug, and pushed out. So can we officially say that Ryan Johansson's dog caused Shea Weber to be traded to uh, Montreal? That's definitely... Is that what collect, happened? Connecting the dots here. In, in, there you in, go. NHL trade rumors. Dot, yeah, Doug, Doug, Doug Johansson put pressure on David Poyle <laughs> to trade Shea... To, wait, Doug, Doug Weber to uh, right. Montreal. Wow, that was that was a difficult one to get through. Now we just need to find out if Matt Duchesne has a dog. <laughs> uh, and get some NHL players. To, they all have dogs, except for um, Zanopka, has got rabbits. Yep, Bobby Ryan has cats. Oh, of course he does. Of course he no does. No wonder he doesn't make the, the Olympic teams anymore. <laughs> That's why he didn't make the work up a hockey team. And, Mi- cats. and Mike Rivero has snakes. He owns like two two snakes and like some mice that they eat. Right? He's got to be he's got to be a, a, a yeah, hept- I, heptologist or whatever. They're oh, you're just speculating? I'm, oh, I'm just speculating. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, Absolutely I mean, guessing. Snakes are, are wonderful animals. I just feel like thematically they're a little overly appropriate for him. <laughs> That's exactly. What I don't know. Can you can you put a slicked back pompadour on a snake? <laughs> Um, you can uh, probably, if anyone can find out, it's Mike Ribeiro. <laughs> Let's move on to the Tuesday game. Uh, speaking of Matt Duchesne, um, this was the only win of this week. And, uh, I mean, I guess we should spend some time on it because it was, uh, to be honest though, it could have gone either I, way. I can, I can give you some negatives in this game. Oh, definitely. there were, there oh, were yeah, several. There were several. Would you like to start off with some negatives? Well, or? I, I'll just put the one thing. It, it, this game, if it really weren't, if it were not for the PK, the Predators PK, this game, there's no contest here. I mean, yeah. the, the Colorado really did not play well five on five mm-hmm. overall, but the PK gave Colorado two more goals. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that should not be close to you, and the Predators end up with a one goal victory when it should have been a three goal victory. And because of the power play, because of the penalty kill, really could have been a loss, a bad loss. It, yeah, it, yeah, it definitely could have caught up to them even more. And and uh, good on the Predators for beating a really bad team to make it through. <laughs> <laughs> they struggled to beat the Avalanche by one goal when, you know, five days later, Montreal hung 10 on them. So yeah. I yeah. feel good about having two points. I don't feel so good about the game. And, and think about this. The Predators have 12 wins on the year. Is that right? Yeah, 12 wins on the year. Five of them are against the Avalanche and the Senators. So I don't think we're going to keep playing the Avalanche and the Senators this year. <laughs> I think we're done with them. Well, Avalanche oh, maybe not. But yeah, 12 is, 12 is not the number... <laughs> You want to see right now. So Arvidsson scores to start the game. Uh, the the pl- this play was the one where he sort of blocks the shot at the point. Um, it might have been Tyson Berry. I, that might be wrong. 
He uh, gets a breakaway and then uh, scores on Varlamov. Just another hustle goal for uh, the tiny hockey man, Victor Arvidsson. And um, although you do have to get a little bit lucky, you don't get those goals very often. I mean, you, blocking shots at the point like that, very rarely do they bounce so much the other direction that you get a an offensive chance that way. So a little bit of luck. I mean, Arvidsson kind of creates some luck. That's yeah, what you and, do. And I, I mean, certainly in Colorado being caught a little, they were not, you can't expect that to happen. You can't anticipate that. So they were, they, as, as hard as they try to get back, it was just fun watching the little streaky Arvidsson just finish it off. It's exactly. Uh, Nathan McKinnon scores to tie it up, but then James Neal, first game back from injury, um, does what he absolutely is here to do. Roofs one short side on Varlamov, and um, that's why that's why James Neal's here. So, so this goal, because it really I want to talk about the because the goal itself was one of those really fun ones I like because it kind of whips him around. Right. But the Wilson pass uh-huh. is, was interesting in that he had that ridiculous pass earlier this season that had the funny deflection. Right. We said yeah. he could never replicate that. This was the exact same style pass where he was trying to do a like no no look behind the back pass and it went directly to James Neal. So he didn't get the deflection. But he kind of did it again. Like, and we said he never would. And he just sort of did it. <laughs> and that's why I like Colin Wilson. Because he just tries those things. Yeah. And he can pull them off. And they, they work. Um, so, just what I was going to say about James Neal is, you know, there, there, were some, there were some small chatter. And I'm, you still hear it every now and then with regards to protection in the uh, expansion draft. That maybe they should just go ahead and expose Neal and keep, uh, you know, keep Arvidsson because reasons i don't know because we only have one more near year of james neal and that's not enough or something uh yeah that's dumb james neal's the best scorer on this team if he's here for next year that's great they could still extend him that's great too james neal is staying on this team he's the only player on the team that's capable of scoring 35 maybe even 40 goals it's it, there's no contest james neal is staying on this team any arguments or <laughs> No. Did you did you see what I was talking about? I mean, no, I saw I, people debating. I, I'm fully on team uh, protect three defensemen now. Okay, all I'm right. Fully on that. I'm on that train. Maybe I am we, not. You're not. Okay. Maybe we could we could table that and, and talk about that. It's, uh, were we? Is that a new development link? No, it's been true for a couple weeks. Oh, okay. I must not have been paying attention. My bad. That's hurtful. <laughs> Power play goal by Matt Duchesne. As uh, Link talked about, the penalty kill for the Predators just allowed. Colorado to stay in this. Um, then Subban scores from the blue line on a shot that redirects on net. Um, we're starting to see this return to the Predators, and I believe it was early last year, really throughout the year last year, where the a vast majority of the shot attempts and the and the scoring chances were just from the blue line, um, shooting a lot from the outside from the perimeter and just kind of relying on this blue line attack that you know can work, but. You need to have shots that come from um, more dangerous areas. I saw an interesting graphic that showed shot distance by forwards um, throughout the league. Predators have the third longest shots, you know, in, in terms of like distance away from the goalie in the league. So they're taking sniper really literally. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I had some issues with that graph, especially like uh, some of the lower ones are Pittsburgh where you have Crosby grinding like literally behind the net to take shots but you think about the Preds and you have two players who will literally shoot the puck from the blue line in Craig Smith and Victor Arvidsson mm-hmm. and you're talking about players not getting down close to the net enough and they are getting to the net they're just not getting the puck and getting a shot off right you're seeing a lot of like you know cramming down to the net and then the 
defenseman will take a shot down and try to make some chaos happen, and it just goes the other direction. Th- Nobody gets grabs the puck and gets a shot on net. And I think your instinct is right, because I think this particular graph was actual shots that made it on net. It wasn't like sh- shot attempts or anything. It was So, yeah, the, the Predators are not doing well at that. They're still trying to do it. But it, I, I think that there's still a lot, and if you see some of these goals that, they score, that the Predators have scored recently, a lot are, you know, Roman Yossi scoring from the point that deflects in off a defender. Same thing with Subban. Uh, they're getting these longer, longer shots. Very few rebound goals. I mean, if, if any, uh, not a lot of garbage, garbage goals from this team. But it, it's just something that you, uh, that I've kind of noticed. It's like it seems like the league has figured out the way to stop the Preds from scoring is collapse around the net, and the Preds have, can't figure out how to score around that. Mm-hmm. It's just bomb from the point to see if it gets through. Right. So Matt Duchesne gets another power play goal. This one was on a rebound where he. I mean. Really nice goal by him, but um, then the UFC goal again, another one from the from the blue line. Uh, or actually, this was the one where um, um, it's the five on three goal. Yes, this is the one where. Yes, this is the one where. Uh, is this the one where Johansson made the play to pass it to him? Regardless, it was a nice play. Yes, this is the one where where Yossi kind of snuck down into the high slot area. And Ryan Johansson had the puck for a little bit longer than normal on that left side and then found him right in the high slot. I would like to see Yossi do more of that, actually, get get in that sort of lower scoring area. Yeah, that part was great. But the reason why jo- Johansson had the puck so long was because Ribeiro completely flubbed the, pla- the pass to him. <laughs> and so it took him that long to get a hold of it to pass it back to Yossi. Uh, okay. Which makes the hockey assist ever a bit the more fun because Ribeiro still gets a point for that. Yeah. <laughs> so... The- what I guess I guess the you know the end result is great. Um, the system on how you get there is uh, always always entertaining, especially when you've got guys like Mike Ribeiro on the team. Um, I I still would like to see Roman Yossi step more into that uh, sort of high slot area because I think his his wrist shot's good enough to to get those on net um, and to get them by goalies. But it seems like a lot of his goals are sort of again blue line and and that's it. Um, you know this. Th- We've already kind of talked about it, but this game was a lot closer than it should have been. Def- I definitely thought the Avalanche were going to score there, and it was going to go to overtime, and who knows what happens then. Uh, the, sh- the shot attempts... I know what happens. Yeah. Right, Predators exactly. lose because they can't play in overtime. Exactly. Shot attempts were in favor of the Preds, but the uh, the Avalanche were, were looking dangerous at the end there. So, uh, you know, midway through the week, Preds are 1-1 one one of this week, and it looks okay. Then you go into Dallas. What do you remember about this game? What's your first memory of this game? Just like rage blackouts. It's, it, it, it was um, a th- what I would consider a thorough defeat. Now, that's just not a defeat um, in terms of they lost the game. It's a defeat in that, uh, you know, really the Stars came out and won the first period handily. Handily. Mm-hmm. And then the Predators came and they, 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 looked, they had some spirit coming to the second. And then... They kept trying, kept trying, and then but Dallas is like, no, we're gonna score a couple goals as Dallas is wont to do, and I mean it just is like slowly ground the will out of the team. It seemed um, so that's why I say it was kind of a thorough defeat of of the team, both in in mind, body, and spirits. Right. You know, there's a couple goals in this game that the Dallas Stars are Dallas Stars are just gonna score, and that would be the Jamie Ben snipe, the first goal, and the Tyler Sagan one at the end because. That's what those guys do. They shoot very well. They are high percentage scorers. But like the the Brett Ritchie goal, or was it Roussel? Um It was Ritchie from Roussel. Right. That that goal shouldn't happen. Oh, there was a Roussel goal too. 
So they both scored. Yeah, right. And, so, and the Roussel goal shouldn't happen either. The 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 Jason Spezza goal, look, a great individual play, but that, that was just... I mean, they left Spezza in the offensive zone with the puck for a good five seconds. And he just dipsy-dude around Arvidsson. Pecorino like comes... the broadcast said, he tiptoed through raindrops. Is that what they that's said? That's what they said. Oh, was that the Dallas broadcast? Yes. They always say stupid yes. stuff like that. Is that that's... Um, that's uh, Ray, I always say his name wrong, but Razor, Razor the guy they call Razor, yeah, mm-hmm. he talks like that because he's a goaltender. Um, that right, but like those goals. I mean, Jason Spezza scores some goals, but I don't remember any of them looking like that. I mean, that that was that's not a goal that the, typically he he scores. Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben rips rip you know really tough shots all the time. That's what they do. But you know, regardless, th- this game was lost once again because the defense just lost their mind. Sometimes, I mean. The goal where Antoine Roussel finds Brett Ritchie in front. Rene sort of stops the shot initially, but has it go behind him. There were two Predators, two Fords. I believe it was Colin Wilson was one of them. Just way late coming back to the puck. And the defense really had no no chance, and let alone Rene. Um, on that goal, by the way, did you guys see that, that Pecorine caught sort of right immediately after? This is the second goal. Immediately after, sort of like was pounced pounding on uh, Victor Arvidsson's legs like he was angry or something. Did you guys not see this? Okay, no, so that. if you see the replay, you know, he sort of stops the shot, but it trickles in behind him. And, and Rene, as he's wont to do sometimes, just sort of in this fit of rage, just like pounding on the ice. But he's pounding on Victor Arvidsson's skates, who is laying in the goal. And it looks like he's like, you know, mad at Arvi. I it, I don't think that's what happened, but I, I it, it, go watch the play and you'll see at the very end he's just sort of like pounding on Arvidsson's Which goal skates. was this? Second, the second goal. Oh, the, the second Stars goal. Game. Okay, yeah. the one that happened thirty seconds the, after the Richie. The, yes, um, and he's just sort of. It looks like he's angry at Arvidsson. He's not. I don't think. Um, however, Victor Arvidsson, the the play prior to that, had a chance to get the puck out and didn't. So. You, are you looking at it? You can yeah, and also it. I also realized Jamie Ben scored two hundred NHL goals. Jamie Ben has 200 NHL goals. God, he's so good. <laughs> um, so, anyways, it was just a strange moment. I, I, um, someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, was was asking about that, and I, it looked very strange. Um, I don't think he was mad at Arvidsson, but anyways, it, it doesn't really matter. But it, it was just uh, sort of that fit of frustration. I think it was probably just Rene mad at himself that he didn't stop the puck. But um, which, oh wow, yeah, I see exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's strange, right? It just looks like he's, you know, yelling. Oh, at him. well, you know what happened? As I'm watching this, it looks like uh, Arvidsson actually knocked out, might have actually caught Pekka's back skate and knocked him over. Is that what? Is that what? Okay. He also earlier in the play had the puck on his stick at the blue line and just turned it over. Yeah, well, that's 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 the Predators. That's what they do right now. <laughs> but yeah, it, it looks like there may have been some there may have been some contact and then because Pe- Pekka okay. kind of went sprawling and the goal goes in. Yeah. So that might have been a bit of a of a error. I mean, the other guys are already scoring enough goals. We don't need to help them. Um, Arvidsson does make up for it with a shorthanded goal, which is a really nice one. Um, but again, you know, shorthanded goals are pretty rare. You're not going to count on those all the time. A little bit of luck. But that's what Arvidsson does. He creates some luck. Um, so, and then things just explode into a fit of blackout rage like you talked about. Jason Spezza scores. At some point, Soros, no, Mazinich comes in and doesn't do anything to stop any more pucks than Rekarine did. <laughs> he only let one in, right? He did let one in, yeah. 
So, I mean, that's something. I guess. He didn't let it in three. <laughs> he didn't let it in four. He did. Went in one. Uh, there was the play that got you know called a no goal because um, the Stars just snowplowed um, Mazinich out of the way and then scored, and that's not allowed in the rule books. You can't do that. You can't just good reference. You can't just uh, what? Oh, oh, I thought you were the um, preseason last season. Like there was a ref who skated up or something and, and, and said. Two minutes, you can't do that, and skate it off. Oh, I don't. Remember and put that. someone in the penalty box. Yeah, they That's just awesome. like saw it, like didn't know what to call, and just said, "You can't do that." <laughs> no, I think he was talking to the player skating to the penalty box. Like, you can't do that. No, it was literally he. He skated up by himself, <laughs> clicked on his microphone, said, two minutes, you can't do that." Clicked it off and skated up. The player was not anywhere near him. Hmm. It was incredible. One of my favorite all-time hockey. Moments. I need to look that up. That's cool. Um. So it's 5-1 at some point. Uh, Yarncroft does get a snipe at the end to uh, make it 5-2. You know, it's going to be really great watching him do that for the Vegas Knights. That's going to be great. Or unless you protect more forwards than defensemen. Okay. Well, or so would you rather Ryan Ellis be over there shooting goals? I don't... How does how does Ekholm still have, like, like assumed protection in all of this? I think because of his contract. It's, it's like one year one year longer, right? His is till 2021. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm just assuming that's the reason. Okay. I I don't disagree. I mean, with you. Brian Ellis is probably the better on a fantastic contract too. Yeah, you're right. You're making good points. I I still think they're going to do four defensemen. Um, it would be very David Poyle. Yeah, It'd be very David Poyle. So you know, th- this game was bad. I mean, it's just there there. I feel like there were a couple Stars games last year that were bad like this, where it was just a complete blowout. Predators were absolutely outmatched. Um, this is what I was afraid of, to be honest. Going to this season is that is that the Stars even though they're not at the top of the standings, would eventually be there and be a team that the Predators have no chance against because this is the way they play. They can't If they can figure out their goaltending situation, which Kari Lettinen has been better, I don't see the Stars being a team that Predators can really take on, let alone a playoff series, but even just like a couple games in a season. It's like we were talking about before the season even started. It's like the Stars play perfectly for all the Preds' weaknesses. I, and we yeah, just definitely. sort of expected right off the hop to have a season sweep from them. The fact that we won that one game because Pekka was able to stop everything was pretty surprising. Right. So, Dallas Stars, they lo- they lose 5-2. to two. two days later, you're thinking, okay, what little little mini road trip, let's re- re-gather, let's gather ourselves, let's, let's go into Arizona and take on the, at the time, worst team in the NHL because Colorado was maybe like, slightly better even though at simultaneously to that game they were getting trounced by Montreal 10 to 1 10 to, 10 to 1 or 10 to 2 did Colorado score twice yeah 10 to 1 okay but going into the Saturday's game the Coyotes were the, the arguably the worst team in the league and uh, you're playing Mike Smith who the Predators have usually played well against except for that one you know stretch in April in uh in 2012 um and you think, okay, this is a good chance to uh, come out on top, but that's not what happened. Arizona pretty much destroys the Predators, and uh, it, the, the, they really had no answers. I mean, they, they could not stop guys like Lawson Kraus and Tyler Gaudet and uh, who else? Dauphin? How do you pronounce that guy's name? Laurent Dauphin? Dolph, You're thinking of Dolph Lundgren. Oh, is that who it was? They iced Dolph Lundgren? It's, I mean, he's a scary guy. What's his contract like? Um, I think they just pay him in 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 like Rocky royalties. <laughs> so and then they, uh, 
you know, some guy Perlini gets his first NHL goal. I, I want to talk a little bit more about those things, but compare your hatred or your your rage from Saturday night, from from Thursday night to Saturday night. Were you more upset? I would say I was less upset, but that's merely because of how much I despise the Stars. Okay. Alex Goligoski scored a goal. Yes. And he doesn't do that very often. I mean, he's just... He's... It's Alex Goligoski. Yeah, he scores like four goals a year. All of them against the Preds. I don't know. It's just... It's it's a, kind of a, just a whole depressing thing to watch. Hey, folks. It's Dan. Um, on... Saturday night, I had the privilege of watching the end of the Predators-Coyotes game from the Opryland Hotel. There was a convention in town, went out to meet some people. It was a good time. And I went down to Fuse, which is like their sports bar slash nightclub deal. They have about 50-plus televisions there. Now, since there was nothing else going on in the sports world except for the Grizzlies and the Warriors and the Predators and the Coyotes... About 48 of the 50-plus televisions there were on the Predators game. And the bad thing about this is, given where I was situated, there was nowhere for me to turn to avoid the crap that I was seeing on the ice. This team has has foxholed itself to the point of, we're going to play fast be, and just results be damned. We're going to play fast. Never mind the fact that they do have size. They, for the first time in a while, this team does have some size in the middle. They have a lot of talented goal scorers, but yet no one is playing in front of the net. That's the recipe for goals. It doesn't matter what level of hockey you're at. You're not going to win consistently by shooting outside shots over and over and over again. And no offense to the Arizona Coyotes, but they're not exactly the deepest team when it comes to defense or defensive forwards right now. They're just not. They know that if they can shove the Predators to the outside, much like everyone else in the NHL does, they could probably win, especially Mike Smith, who stops everything that he sees. So that was incredibly disappointing to watch, and I'm really underselling how incredibly disappointed I was. Then you have the situation with Pecorine, who all of a sudden, the moment that December 1st has switched on, the moment that you've turned the page in the calendar, he goes back to being last year's Pecorine. You can only, so we can only get exactly and literally exactly one month of elite production from a $7 million goaltender. This is why people ask questions. It's not because we hate the guy. It's not because we don't think he's a nice guy. It's not because we don't think he is a freaking idol and Adonis handsome person. No, because he cannot turn in consistent for months after month after month. He's not consistent throughout the entire season. He is as streaky as any player in the NHL. He has hot months. He has bad months. He has good weeks. He has bad weeks. It's incredibly frustrating. And it's getting more and more amplified as he gets older. And yet, with you, when you're paying the guy $7 million a year, you cannot justify not playing him. That is what the, that's what the Predators have done with this contract, and that's how they've handled it. Right now, and there's not an argument out there to convince most people otherwise, the best goaltender in this organization is Yusei Saros. Period. 
You cannot convince me otherwise. You can't convince Chris Link otherwise. You can't convince most of us otherwise. And this organization is definitely following the old uh, the deadly sin of pride, that they're not going to do anything to change this when it comes to the goaltending situation. It's one thing to trade Shea Weber. It's another thing to trade Seth Jones. There's no way they're making this move with Pecorine. They won't do it. They're scared to do so. And rightfully, I can understand being scared about it. But you don't. I don't see how they can justify holding on to a depreciating asset that is becomes a liability at times. Now, I know that next month, somehow in the month of January, He's going to turn it on or something, or February. He'll flip the switch, and everyone's going, oh, oh, you, guys are, you guys were throwing Rene under the bus. You guys want to all get rid of Pecorine. We're going to hear that. And then in March, when he's awful again, we'll just point and go, yeah, well, there he is again. And then in April, he'll turn it back on. But when you look, finally, when you look at how much, the, how much this guy is being paid, $7 million a year, that's a lot of money. And right now, the Predators don't have the cap space to just, you know, just pay anybody whatever they want. Contending teams don't do that. Great teams don't do that. Chances are, next year, Ben Bishop going to be an unrestricted free agent. Chances are, more and more goaltenders are not going to get these max Henrik Lundqvist level contracts anymore. And there's a reason for that. It's because goaltending is incredibly volatile. Good years and bad years. More so than anything else, it comes down to protecting the goaltender as well. That you have fundamentals with the goaltending, where just, you know, I, I want to see good positioning. I just want to see consistency. And then you have guys like Pecorine who rely on athleticism, who rely on making those highlight level saves. That doesn't get better with age. And knowing what we know about goaltenders now, I wouldn't be surprised if they do try to at least kick the tires on something the next two years or so. But there's no way they're going to make this move in the middle of the year. And that's frustrating. So as far as how, what to do to fix this team after watching the Arizona game, honestly, there are too many guys being paid more than $3 million a year to play at the NHL level that don't play in front of the net. If Craig Smith wants to justify being, a, um, being exempt from the expansion draft, Play in front of the net. If he he needs to be kind of like the the dark haired, slightly more handsome Joe Pavelski. All right, he has the talent to do that. Colin Wilson, for the love of God, justify your contract. Play in front of the net. Drive the net. Be that guy. You, he skates about as good as anybody on the roster, and that's what gets fans incredibly frustrated with him is that they know the talent that this guy has. Mentally, it's just not all there yet. And when Ryan Johansson's on a line with, you know, Victor Arvidsson and whomever else, someone else has to be in front of the net as well, or someone else has to be at least attracting attention with the puck in order for Johansson to play in front of the net. Because Joey's a big kid, and getting a, just a that, getting that double team away from him will do him a world of good. And then you have Philip Forsberg. Now this is a whole other world. For the first time in his career, he's got contract and franchise level expectations put on him and part of it you know is just a young guy he's feeling bad it's not like he's playing bad though that's the that's what's getting lost in all of this it's not like he's playing bad he's just somehow not scoring and he's not scoring because no one else on the line that he's on with the exception of ryan johansson is really attracting any attention 
That's the problem, is that Forsberg's out there, and everyone knows who Philip Forsberg is now. You're not going to get away clean shots, Philip. I'm, I'm sorry, not anymore. You're going to have to do something else. And Philip has shown on the, on the power play especially, he's very good in close. He's very good around the dot. He's very good around the, the, the low slot area, very good in front of the crease. He's got fast hands. He's scored highlight-level goals before as well. And I think that, that players like him, players like Neil, Smith, even Wilson to some extent, fall in love with their own shot and just want to sit back right around the high slot area and just try to pick corners. In today's NHL, that doesn't quite work. I mean, if anything, we should learn from teams like the John Tortorella teams and the Minnesota Wild who aren't afraid to bodyguard their goaltender into the playoffs. They're not afraid to do that. You, you're going to have to get going to have to get dirty, and that's the message to the rest of this team right now: is that they're going to have to get dirty. They're not doing it right now. They're expecting just to kick the puck back to the defenseman, much like the first half of last year. Now, for all the people out there calling for a coaching change, I understand where you're coming from. But if anybody is going to drive this team harder, push them harder, push their buttons, and at the risk of burning out his own contract trying to do so, it's Peter Laviolette. And I think finally, if there's a time for him to crack the whip like he did his first year, this is it. you got to do something. So, anywho, back to Alex. Time knows how to fly. <laughs> so here's goodbye. And I, it, it's also difficult because after kind of reviewing and going back through this game, it, that's when I started. Like, okay, I got to figure out what's wrong with the Predators this season and all these. I just, I just have like, I literally just was going to take all these notes. And I just wrote down what the hell <laughs> with an ellipses and just sort of moved on with my day. I just <laughs> was done. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's back it up just a little bit. Uh, a rookie Lawson Kraus. Here's the here was the Coyotes' first goal. Lawson Kraus, rookie, playing in his 23rd NHL game, beats Yannick Weber and Petter Granberg down low for the puck. He he actually beat them into the zone from the dot, the center dot, because the puck was was going in. It was not quite an icing, but they were racing for it. He beats both of them there, gets the puck, finds Goligoski, uh at the blue line who. As as Link mentioned, you know, is not not the world's best goal scorer, but he just rips one by Rene, and that puts the Coyotes up one nothing. At that point, I'm thinking, okay, this is just a typical kind of Coyotes goal where like this, there's no reason that should have happened. That there was no there was no plan that they were they weren't connecting Kraus with with well, Goligoski, and that's the pairing that, that's going to work. But I mean, if if you watch the goal and you want you know and you keep an eye on what's going on, it, yeah, I mean, Kraus beats two defensemen. Not even that he beats them, but they go into the boards together yeah. and Granberg and Weber totally lose the puck they lose the man they lose everything and then the Predators uh, the forwards to to compensate for the fact that the defensemen are both against the boards crash away from the puck crash the net yeah. meaning that there's nobody up top and Goligoski has all the time in the world any any yeah. NHLer and whatever you may think of Goligoski or half of the guys who are barely holding on to careers in, in Arizona <laughs> and that's not an insult just that's yeah, the way they yeah. built the team. Right. Uh, you give them all that time and space, and you have a crowded net. 
they're going to have a really good chance of scoring a goal. That's exactly what happened off of a very, very good pass from Kraus, who had no pressure. That's a very, very good point. Um, yeah, and especially talking about the injury situation with the defenseman, that's sort of been a theme of the week. Uh, Petter Granberg and Yannick Weber get beat somehow going back to the net, and then a goal gets scored. Right. That's exactly what happened here. So, but, to, you know, to be honest, in my mind, in my mind I'm thinking, th- that's not a pattern we have to worry about. We don't have to worry about Kolakowski scoring a lot. So, you know, the game continues on. Then Tyler Gaudet. I guess that's how you pronounce his name. Is it Godet or God? I just, just go for it. Okay. Beats Colin Wilson on the rush, takes a pass, shoots it off the post. The rebound comes right to Laurent Dauphine, or however you pronounce his name, who scores. Uh, the defense just sort of watched the whole thing happen. Just a lot of watching, just, you know, where's the puck going now? Oh, it's just clanked off the post. Oh, Rene could have made the save but didn't, and now Dauphine scored. And now it's 2-0. And so this is where I was like, wait a minute. This has the makings of a typical Coyotes-Predators matchup where regardless of the talent on the ice and the skill and the coaching and anything, things are just going to happen because guys are scoring goals that really don't usually and the Predators yeah, have I, no answers. I mean, that was that was a goofy goal. Um, yeah. I mean, it went off the... The reason it even went off the crossbar is it went off of a player. Right. So you have a sprawl player, goes off, goes to the crossbar, lands right in front of Dauphine, and he finished, I mean, it's like, what do you do? I mean, that's just one of those bad luck goals that happens and it seems to be defining the predators road game this year exactly it's it's really it's just it was really at that point extremely frustrating to watch and even then after the after yosi scores from again from the blue line um to make it 2-1 in the second period you get another situation like this uh and i have something for you i want to i want to read you uh the (laughs) analysis on brendan perlini who was the uh goal scorer in the second period here is the uh the analysis from hockey's future on brendan perlini perlini's primary assets are his speed and puck skills he has tremendous hands and displays offensive savviness consistently finding the soft spots in the offensive zone where he can redirect shots and cash in on rebounds other than the cashing in on rebounds part that's exactly what perlini did he got in a soft spot right in front of pecorine where no one found him Forsberg was way behind on the play. He was supposed to rotate over and did not. Um, and gets his first NHL goal. Congrats to him. It was a beautiful goal. It was a really a really a nice a nice play on his part. Good honest hockey goal. Good on his hockey goal. Exactly. Good honest. Good honest. honest. Ho- good honest hockey goal. Yeah. I mean, he 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 shot it and it's and he scored. He shot the puck, scored a goal. So when you know. I don't know. It, it's just at that point you're thinking, well, this is just what's going to happen. I mean, who else do they want to throw out there to go score their first NHL goal or their 700th or whoever? Who do they want to throw out there to 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 score on? And then they choose Martin Hansel, <laughs> right? Exactly. So Martin Hansel scores. Uh, really, actually, that play was a little bit different because Radim Verbata, who I actually really like, made a great pass on that play. So that was like a bit of skill. Amongst all of this dumb thing, all of these dumb things happening that did lead to a goal, where I was like, "Hey, that's actually some really good skill." And Martin mm-hmm. Hensel's not bad, and Ryan Verbata is pretty good. Hey, hey, in in if this were two thousand five, two thousand six, the Arizona Coyotes would be a great hockey team because <laughs> these guys would have still been in there. I mean, Hensel and Verbata. I mean, they, it would have been a good hockey team. I mean, Golgoski would have been still in, in. You know, had a lot going on. Shane Doan. Shane Doan would have been murdering people with his elbows, and not anyone, and no one caring about it for some mysterious reason, right? 
So four to one. Um, the Predators fail again to out Corsi their way to a win. Um, they out out chance and out possess the uh, opponent, but uh, lose four to one. I mean, what 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 do we do? What what is what's happening? Uh, I have no idea. Do do we do we take a break and regroup? Oh, I, I was talking about the Predators. I what know I was that? making a joke. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, why don't we do that? Why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we'll uh, we'll we'll assess what what in the heck this team is doing, how do, how can it be fixed if it's possible, and uh, we'll try to turn these frowns upside down. These days, you need a partner current and latest website design standards, one that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999. Back to the show. We are uh, busy trying to figure out why the Predators have just disappointed us so. Because they have. They are. Um, here, here's a little rundown of the last seven games in the uh, Nashville Predators hockey team schedule. Over the last seven games, the Predators are two, four, and one. So that's five of a possible 14 points. That's not good. They have allowed 27 goals. So, by the way, the last seven games, that takes us all the way back to the second Winnipeg Jets game, the one that lost. they lost 3-0. That's just an arbitrary. I just picked randomly seven games. In, that, in those seven games, they've allowed 27 goals. That's almost four a game. They've only scored 18, so that's like two and a half a game. They've allowed six power play goals, only scoring one. That's pretty bad so that's almost allowing almost one a game and then you know getting one in seven games uh in terms of shot attempts oh, i'm sorry in sort of in terms of actual shots they've generated 262 shots allowed 213 so they're out shooting the opponents on average 37 to 30 so they're out shooting opponents you know on the scoreboard by about seven shots a game but they only have two wins in that time period and the two wins are over the avalanche in both games but both both wins are Avalanche, are over the Colorado Avalanche. The extra point coming against New Jersey, so a lot of losses in there and a lot of really disappointing performances. I mean, we've already talked about the Stars. We talked about the Coyotes. That Jets game was just bad. The Flyers game, you know, they should have they should have played better in that game. Um, what 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 do you make of this? What 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 can we uh, can we do anything with this? What what is the, what does the team do from here? Uh, what are the things you think need fixed? 
more or, or quicker? What what needs to be focused on immediately? If Ryan Ellis isn't concussed, he needs to be playing on Tuesday, even if he's skating on one leg. So we have an update on that. I'm going to get to, but or do you want me to get to it now? Go, yeah. Well, Apparently, Ryan Ellis might play Tuesday. Because, hey, <laughs> because Adam uh, Adam Party and Freddie Goudreau were sent down um, today, I believe. I believe that was an update as of like two hours ago. Uh, so it sounds like everything's good for both Sissons and Ellis to play on Tuesday. So there you go, Maria. Just solved that problem. No but, more Gramberg. <laughs> no more Gramberg. But what about all the other problems? And I, it was a few shows ago where I talked about uh, maybe the issue is is a, a systemic thing. And I mean that being it's, it's, part of, it's the system the Predators are playing. It's putting them in a position where the defensemen have to be so advanced or so it, it, it requires so much communication between all the players that the smallest breakdown causes a literal breakdown that leads to a goal against. And I'm you know I I, I think I still think that might be what's hap- what we're seeing is that the system that the team is running either they don't have the personnel for it. Um, or they just haven't hit the point where they ex- execute against it properly. Like, they, they, like it, it's a really difficult system. They have to keep keep working, keep working, keep working. And their goal is not to have it working this year, or their mm-hmm. understanding, which for the Predators and and the window they have seems a little crazy. So I assume they don't have the right personnel. Yeah. Um, which is a little scary because they've got a lot of talented players. Uh, so I don't know how they don't have the personnel. Yeah. Uh, and I take all these little pieces and I say, okay, well then they need to find a new system. They need to fit into something different. Um, they need to adapt what they're doing uh, on a game-to-game basis and and try and have that up and running as quickly as they can, uh, which takes it back to a, to a coaching-level decision and, and having that sort of uh, situational awareness. Uh, or you, you say, hey, we're just going to have a really unlucky season. We're, when, the second we hit the road, everything's going to fall to pieces. We have to try and do the best we can at home. So let me ask you this on what you're saying, because I want to hear your opinion on this. Philip Forsberg has got two goals and has, is just really non, just not there. Is he, do you think, based on your sort of theory here, is he not really fitting into this system right now? Is Forsberg not really playing well into this system? Or is he, well, that, that that's I, that's my question. Like I would argue, most nights Forsberg is playing pretty well. He's doing the things he's being asked to do, and, and, and the issue is he's not scoring. That's the big thing. Is if, is if he was scoring at, and he was shooting at say like seven eight percent, people would not be remotely bothered. But he's not shooting at seven eight percent. He's shooting. I don't have it right in front of me. He's shooting, but you know, he's, he, I think he's shooting like four. Yeah, he's shooting way Three, lower. Maybe. Um, so I mean, if, if I would say if the system, and it's hard to say from the outside, is about hey take fewer shots, then that's the wrong thing for Forsberg to be doing. He needs right. to be taking more shots, right. way, way more shots, um, and, and trying to even out some of the uh, that, that bad shooting percentage just by taking making more opportunities. I mean, that's how he's going to score. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's the thing that's hard to say, is mm-hmm. is he being asked to do something different than he is in past years? Because when you watch him play, you're like, hey, he's doing the right things. He's trying real hard. It's not like he's coasting or he looks lost for the most part. I mean, no more than any other predator, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, everyone has their turn of looking lost. Uh, I just think he he needs to to um, get back into what made him really good last year, which is taking the shots when they come up and uh, doing it frequently. 
being a little bit of Arvidsson. Yeah. He's working really, really hard, and he has been hitting a lot of posts. I think at this point, especially having uh, had lower bowl seats on Tuesday for the Avalanche game, he is so far in his own head. Like, yeah. just with all the missed shots. Like, he came to the bench one time looking like he was about to start crying. Right. Because he had missed another shot. So, like I said, at this point, and I think he was even taken off the power play in the Arizona game. Yeah. No, you're right. Well, that well, that was the weird... What they Didn't they put Austin Watson on the power play? They did a lot of weird things in the power play. Yeah, that was, that was kind of a strange situation. Never, never on good hockey boy, Austin Watson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so plays give you power play, power play minutes, penalty kill minutes, and uh, penalty box minutes as well. Austin Watson, he's so great. When he goes to Tim Hortons, he knows exactly what to get for you. He doesn't even need to ask. He knows, <laughs> which is what he, he gets you. He gets you a sour glazed sour cream and a double double, and that's it. That's all you need. Oh, okay. It's the perfect amount. You may want more, but he got you the perfect <laughs> amount. You no, know, but I do think it might pers partially be a personnel issue simply because of the rotating you know IR door that's been going on without having systems without having Salamaki without having the defense especially you know being such like a high level system with a lot of communication and chemistry when the bottom half of your defense is some rotating seventh D there's a lot of issues that can crop up and especially knowing what like say Pekka's Pekka's um, weaknesses are then you're getting a lot more goals against. Yeah. Another, you know, we've, we've talked about some, some players that have not played well recently. Um, Craig Smith, who early on in the season looked like, you know, the only player that was doing anything, um, hasn't scored in quite a while. I think his last goal was the 23rd of November. Um, he, he still has six goals, but a lot of those came about, a, you know, over well over a month ago. Um, that's not something you need. You you want Craig Smith to be providing consistent scoring, um, and he's not doing that. Forsberg, we've already talked about. But even guys like, you know, I mean, Mike Fisher. Look, we know Mike Fisher's not going to put up 20 goals, but you need more than five and nine assists from, from Mike Fisher. Now, he missed some, missed some time for injury, but, I mean, if you're going if, if to roll out with, you know, a 35-year-old center not named Mike Ribeiro, you're going to have to get a little bit more production out of, out of that guy. Uh, 36-year-old, rather. I, I, honestly, I mean, w- what do people want from Mike Fisher? I mean, Goals and assists. Yeah, but he's he historically has always been a depth scorer. That's what he was always. And just because Nashville has a history of having a lack of scoring until more recent years, there, there's a sort of enamored thing around. There's like this aura around Mike Fisher. He's he was really he was built to play hockey for Nashville fans. Right. Excuse me. Um, and when and he I, came over, he had a great, you know, his, his arrival was great. I mean, he played really well. Yeah, and, and he produced at a at a solid rate longer than a lot of people thought he would. But he plays a crash-bang, beat-em-up style. He's 36 years old. He's out there. He's got, what, five, you said, sorry, five goals. He's got five, um, sorry, five goals, nine assists. Five goals, nine assists. For his style, the player that he's at, how long he's been in the league, his age, I think five goals, nine assists is really solid. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any problems with Mike Fisher's production this year. The other Mike, on the other hand. The other Mike? The other Mike. He's got Who 14 assists. Mike Hutchinson, the goalie in Winnipeg? Oh, yeah, he put up a shutout, <laughs> didn't he? He's talking about Mike Rivero. Mm, I remember that guy. So, okay. <laughs> remember when, the Mike Rivero story. <laughs> um, all right, so what about Ryan Johansson? Five goals, 13 assists. Now, he leads the team in points along with Ribeiro, but five goals from a number one centerman? He's he's kind of billed as a set-up assist guy who can also score goals, right? I mean, that's kind of the expectation. If he's a 30-goal guy, he's not on pace for that. 
Well, he said 30 goals how many times? I think he did it once, maybe. Well, then he's not. He's, well, he's only maybe 24. Maybe he's not a 30-goal guy. You can't call Philip Forsberg a 30-goal player yet. He scored 33 in 2013-14, and then he scored 26 the year after that. So so I, I would say I would consider him a 30-goal guy, even though he hasn't done it recently. Um, I mean, yeah. So anyways, but Ryan Johansson, I, I would say not on I – mean, look, he's played, he played fine for the most part, but – it's just a sort of a general general trend. The forwards overall are not scoring as much as we would expect. I see. I'm not so worried about the scoring aspect. Um, you know, I think Forsberg I'm a little concerned about. Um, you know, Craig Smith. It's always hard to get a beat on how how or how often or what frequency he's going to score. You know, he's going to be about the same place. Uh, but I, I think the goal scoring has been picked up and evened out across the roster because you've got. Yarncroak, who's getting a few more goals than you might expect the current you know goal per game. Uh, Arvidsson, of course, emerging and eclipsing his his goal yeah. scoring. Uh, you know, Neil having Levin already is fantastic. That's a great clip to be scoring goals at, uh, especially in the current climate where you you, you goaltending numbers are are just astronomically high. Uh, I don't think goal scoring in and of itself is a problem uh, because. A lot of times when the Predators fall behind, I mean, you're going to have games where you cannot get a puck past another goaltender. Those happen. I mean, you get, you get those Mike Smith and Arizona nightmare scenarios. They happen. Um, they happen to every team, whatever. Uh, but it's it's not that it's it's the it's the Colorado stuff. It's that yeah. Colorado game from this past week where the Predators score four quality goals, and it's a neck and neck matchup because <laughs> they're taking penalties and they can't kill them off. Yeah. You should be able to score four goals a night and yeah. be totally and, fine. And, and we went through a lot of the goals that happened where, the, where there just was no coverage. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the issue. I don't think goal scoring is is. <laughs> it's actually kind of fun to say this. Goal scoring is not the problem the Predators yeah. face right now. It's defense. Yeah, I think over the course of three games, they left Nathan McKinnon, uh, Matt Duchesne, Wayne Simmons all open in front of the net. Oh, I think Taylor and, Hall and Brendan Perlini. Yeah, and Brendan Perlini. <laughs> I hear he has sick hands. Brendan Perlini, yeah, right. By the way, he's born in the UK. I think he's from like some something Derby. Something, but, something. Wait, wait, wait. But we have to. Let me. I want. I have to check this because not that I don't believe you. He was born in the UK. Uh-huh. But I mean, Colin Wilson was born in the United States, but he spent his entire life in Canada. I mean, he lives in Winnipeg. He's from Winnipeg. I'm looking it up. I'm looking at Brendan um, Perlini. So, like, it, it's like he this player is from here. I'm like, yeah, but but he's a Canadian or he's American or something. Like, he, it's not like okay. So he was born in Guildford in England, and he yeah. Anyways, I, I just I, I thought that was fun. Yeah, you, well, it's fun. But there's guys like oh, he was born like the best South African NHL player of all time. Yeah, he lived in South Africa for like a month because his dad was on a military base there. Right. I mean, he's about as South African as I am. Well, that's why uh, Nathan Walker doesn't count as Australian for NHL purposes because he was born in Wales. Oh, interesting. I want, now I want to know who um, who Brendan Perlini, which football team he follows. <laughs> well, we, we he who knows how long he was even in the UK. Well, you, once you once you've uh, you know 
Maybe he, you said he was born. It was Derbyshire. G- Guildford. Oh, Guildford. Okay, I don't know why I get Derbyshire. Oh, because you said that first. I think I said that first. Yeah, I. I this, he strikes me as the kind of the guy. You know, he was there brief. Like he was born there, and then he was raised in. in I don't know if he's Canadian or American or he's listed as, but yeah, apparently well, he's at the, least Colin Wilson has played for, for Team USA. So I guess you can give him that. <laughs> well, I mean, he actually had, he had a choice, and that was one of the things with where do you think you're going to be able to make the national team better, or who's going to give you the better support. Um, and you know the team USA, the, the way they build you up, and the you know the opportunities there certainly uh, not not the CHL. Yeah, right. We'll tell that to Jacob Chikrin. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so we we've talked a little bit about that. It, it sounds like we're well. Link's making a good point, and I think Mario, you are as well. That that the scoring in the offense is not necessarily as worrisome as the defense at the other end. So with Ryan Ellis returning Tuesday potentially. Not really a potential worry long term because when those four were, were were in the saddle, things were things were okay. So are, are we thinking that this is just a little blip? And as of this week, with three home games against some some teams you can beat, like the Blues and um, the Wild on Thursday, they play the Rangers on Saturday. Could they potentially go out and go three and zero and just be everything's fine again? I mean, it it would it'll feel that way. <laughs> is, is it the reality? I mean, they they seem to be ping ponging between uh, dizzying highs and dizzying lows. Yeah. Um, and I think the problem is that there's not enough oxygen on either end, so that's why they keep kind of bouncing around. <laughs> I could see zero and three just as easily as three and zero, honestly. Yeah, because it's the Gosh. Blues, it's the Wild, and then it's the return of Jimmy Vesey. Oh man, I cannot wait for the that. return. Yeah, the return of Jimmy Vesey after his stunning uh, prospect camp showing in the past few years. I'm We're excited to see what he does in the real NHL ice. I don't care. I cannot wait for it to happen. I, Twitter is going to be so much fun. It's going to I mean, be hilarious. Rangers fans are going to be so mad. I understand booing because Ryan Suter. I understand <laughs> booing Dan Hamhuis. I I don't understand people who are going to be angry at Jimmy Vesey. I, I, no, here's the thing. I don't understand the Ryan's... I, re, I understand Jimmy Vesey way more than Ryan Suter because... Or, I'm sorry, less, way less than Ryan Suter because Suter, I mean, you know, got paid and went home. Jimmy Vesey got paid the exact same to just go play in a different place. And I think that that just... That really bothers people. That really... This, this town really hates that. Like, you're shunning us, not even for a good reason. You're shunning us just to shun us. That that just hits people in a different way. I, see, you know, I, the more every time it comes up, I just think if I had the opportunity to get, if I was going to get paid, what, what's the, what's the what was the max like? Well, that's not even it. Like, if you would have, well, signed no, I'm just saying, what the, what's the amount? Three twenty five. Three twenty five. Okay, so if I if someone say I get paid three million two hundred fifty thousand, yeah, it yeah, to and, and that was what I was going to get paid, but I get to pick what city I play in based on who's courting me, and I'm, I'm the bell of the ball. I'm gonna play where I want to play. <laughs> like you've got no nece- you've got really no like emotional ties necessarily. Uh, like I-, I don't think about oh yeah I need I really like for my for my first job I want to make sure I'm making you know the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga proud. Mm-hmm. Like I want to make maybe I should get a job in Chattanooga so I can pay my taxes into UTC. Mm-hmm. No, I'm gonna go work in the city that I want to work in, or, or or you know I'm not gonna that I'm not gonna just only work for UTC because I've got some mad devotion to them. Yeah, they they put a lot of effort into giving me skills, but well, now just, I'm going to exercise those skills where I'd like to. 
But there's a few different things going on here that sort of add to the, this doesn't make any sense. One, if he would have signed in Nashville, he would have burned a year off. And so he would have gotten paid a year earlier as opposed to having to wait the, the full amount. Also, if he just wants to choose where he wants to go and he doesn't want to come to Nashville, which, you know, whatever, there's plenty of other places he could have gone. He could have gone to Buffalo to play with Jack Eichel. He could have gone to Chicago and won another cup. Instead, he decides to go to New York, who besides, besides before this season, they didn't know they were going to score 100 goals the first. <laughs> like... They were not going to be good, and they've magically managed to score a lot of goals. I think that, here's the thing. I think also, I'm, and I'm just try, I'm trying to feel the pulse of this city and why, and, and the fans of, of the Predators and why they don't like this guy so much. And I think it's I think honestly, there's this sense that like he was drafted, and you're supposed to go to the team that drafts you, and he found a way around that, and that makes people mad. And he wanted to go and and live and play in New York City. Oh, and he's got three million. <laughs> he makes three million dollars a year. And he has to play New York, and he has to play New York City. I mean. He's in his twenties. Can go can go play in New York City. Opposed to, I mean, why would you want to like go play in Buffalo? Okay, well, but I think what you're arguing is what Nashville people feel, and that we feel that Nashville is a ten times better city than New York or Boston or Chicago. But I'm just is, telling you this is, what this people is, think. He's, this kid's from the Northeast. Yeah, but yeah. He's not from New York. He's from Boston. Right, but he's from the Northeast. Yeah. So he doesn't have any association with Nashville being a great right. city compared to Boston. Or New York City, but for national or any fans, other that's thing. just another shunning. Like exactly. it's just like exactly. Suter going home. It's just like who cares about those people in Tennessee? I want to be up here in for, the north. For a guy who why. all he did was have his name called out, and he showed up because he wanted to be a pro. <laughs> like his name was called called by by a by a guy in a suit. But if he didn't want to come to Nashville, he could have just he could have done a whole lot less. And he could just go in the KHL if he didn't want to if he didn't want to get drafted. I just I have I have a hard time penalizing the the kid for for taking just, advantage of of the CBA again. If people can boo Spezza for whatever reason, yeah. and Buffalo fans can boo Jimmy Vesey, sure we can oh, boo him. Why not? Actually, well, we're talking about booing. I want to make I have to I want to call something out. Okay, so the biggest thing, big, one of the biggest trends on on hockey Twitter this year I've noticed, and just for Preds fans in general, is calling out other fans for booing PK Subban. It's and it's it's been multiple teams this has happened for people you know like oh why is guys booing PK Subban why are they why, like I got nothing you know why are Flyers fans booing PK why are Montreal wait, not Montreal but why are Toronto like all these things like why are they still booing maybe because he's a huge like worldwide brand and is a larger than life personality he's recognized across the NHL and is on tire commercials and so he's highly recognizable and somewhat controversial. Um, I don't because think that it's of the because way he does, he's highly recognizable. I think he's made a lot of enemies while being in Montreal, and that Nash fans don't realize that because they never right. watch but Montreal. It, it, but it, like so that's why I said with the controversial part of it, yeah. he's he's because his personality is exuberant, because he goes into things with such passion in a way that is not traditionally a good hockey boy like the Austin Watson style, like you know, born and bred into it. That he he you know rubs people the wrong way a lot of times, and so fans boo him. And he has not been the cleanest player historically. Yeah, I mean, there it's like it's not like there because I mean there were all sorts of insinuations about why fans may be booing him. Well, Winnipeg, and I mean, I'm I'm just but it's just like he, the Predators have never had a player with this massive, massive profile before. Yeah. This stuff happens. Well, I so I I think I saw kind of what you're talking about. I didn't necessarily see anybody saying. Uh, or taking taking offense to them booing him. I think I, what I saw is people just confused. Well, yeah, exactly. Why are, why are yeah. Flyers they were fans? Like it, it, yeah. it's yeah. not confusing during it's the Philadelphia obvious. game. People were like, "Why are they like?" Nobody had an idea why they were booing Subban. It's we like, thought there was some history, and I think that relates back to the VZ thing. Nashville fans booing VZ. Anybody in the league is gonna be like, "Oh yeah, right. That makes a lot of sense." If Nashville fans booed, I don't know, Martin Hansel, people would be like, "Why are they booing Martin Hansel? What did he do?" 
He just scored that fourth goal on Saturday. Why do they care about him? See what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's I don't national fans the don't understand people booing national players because we're like, what? Yeah, did it's we never do? happened. Right. Yeah, it's they've never had a player of this of and count on his caliber on the ice, but this this level of celebrity. I just think that I, Nashville fans, when they boo someone, they boo guys like Chris Chelios, guys like Ryan Suter, guys well, like Jason Spezza. I mean, that that makes... For some reason, for, in, in the past, there's been some sort of thing that's happened, the, the big thing that happened that caused them to not like this player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when they see that P.K. Subban's getting booed, they assume, oh, there must have been some incident between Subban and the Flyers, which... To my knowledge, I don't think there is. Is there? I mean, was there some fight or... I think just normal conference play. <laughs> Which is totally fine, but I think that was the confusion. That was people. That's what people were confused. What happened? Was there an incident? No. I, when Nashville fans boo, it's personal. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it is personal. And, and that's their only way to express, I don't like you. Uh, that and the you suck chant. But uh, well, that's, that's, uh, there's not even any animosity to the you suck chant. It's just, yeah, it's just it's background just noise. Um. All right, so we, we touched on a lot of things there, and we kind of actually got ahead on the uh, the looking ahead of the week. But I think it was good because I, I'm I'm telling you, I am so looking forward to this Jimmy VZ <laughs> return, and I really hope that he's not scratched or, or injured or something because I want him to be there and I want to see it. That's yeah, uninstalled inc- Twitter. That's incredibly te- incredible television. I'm gonna I, I, hopefully I'll be at the game. Let's go to some uh, Twitter questions uh, slash rants, um, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. Uh, so we threw out. You know, normally we kind of throw out some shorter questions and say, you know, send us questions. We'll uh, talk about them in the air. Some of these are just kind of rants, and we're just going to read them anyways. But I like this first question. This is from at Andrew Hirsch. He says, "Would you, hey Hirsch, would you rather fight one horse? <laughs> would you rather fight one horse-sized PK Subban or five Victor Arvidsson-sized PK Subans?" Well, I would argue that, that PK Subban's already horse sized. Um, <laughs> it's a big dude. Um, I think I think he means like probably like five hundred pounds and uh, and four you know four legs and a mane. I would I would um, fight a hundred uh, people who insist that a hot dog's not a sandwich. <laughs> okay. How about yourself? Well, if it's merely le- instead of like it being a Victor Arvidsson version of PK Subban, that sounds. Which would be a whole lot more scary than a horse-sized PK Subban? Maybe I'll go with that one. I would definitely fight the horse-sized because I think what I would do is I would I would uh, work with it and tame it, and then eventually just be able boo to it. Just boo it and hurt its right. feelings. No, I would, and then I would boo Subban horse. I would, boo! I would break it in. I would buy it some good shoes. I would put a saddle on it. And I would ride him around all 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 weekend. That PK is a do. wild stallion. You can't break him. That's that's what I would do. Um. All right, so we've kind of addressed this, but uh, our good buddy Mark Harris, MCH, is tweeting. Heard of that guy. I've heard of him. He says, what do you think the problem is for Forsberg besides the simple not getting the bounces? We kind of have addressed that, but uh, do we think that things are going to – he's not going to shoot 3.1% all year, right, Forsberg? Well, a few things. Besides the um, old hockey adage, he's gripping a stick too tightly. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he isn't shooting as much as he should be shooting, as much as he shot last year. He needs to be getting more shots off, whether that's deployment or whatever. That, and I think he's getting into his head too much. Yeah, and you did you did mention that. Oh, it's it's. I I think that's a great point, Mario. I think there's a lot of there, you can just see when he misses a shot or goes off the post, the look on his face. Uh, you know, I really thought when he got that first goal, it was going to kind of open the floodgates, and again with the second goal, I'm like, oh hey, we're we're back. Uh, 
but he just he, he just is really struggling. And I think yeah. if he can have just a couple normal games and score some good goals, mm-hmm. I, I think he just relaxes a bit and it, and it, and it comes back. R- related to that, this is just a comment at Madame Monday says this team needs a sports psychologist stat, especially Philip Forsberg. Definitely. Yeah, I think we undersold how important it was for Carter Hutton to have that sports therapist uh, role in the team. Yeah. Um, maybe he was more than, than the, uh, the the mental coach for Pecorino. Maybe he was the mental coach for the whole team. Yeah, in, in St. Louis, it appears that he's not merely uh, Jake Allen's sports psychologist. He's the entire team sports psychologist. So Is he really? Yes. Well, That's interesting. He, yeah, I think we might have undersold his greatest asset and why he was on the team. <laughs> um, all right, next one. At, for, I'm sorry. At Patrick... What is this name? Uh, at Patrick Kane is bad. Um, says, unfortunately, I've missed the past two games. How would you describe the team in one word? Bad? <laughs> Someone contributed a word here that I want to share, but I'll, I'll wait for you guys to hear. Bad? Just, just bad. Just bad? Okay. I'm going to rhyme. Sad. Oh, my gosh. What am I supposed to do now? I mean, I either, I either break the rhyme or I totally... I have, I have one for you. <laughs> I have one for you. Sad, bad. Glad? Sad bad. Okay. It's one word, sad bad. Well, I'm going to take Michael's because uh, at M. Patrick, how, how do you, what is this Twitter? At M. Patrick G5, good old Michael Gallagher, friend of the site, contributes all the time. His his word contribution here is diarrhea. Mm-hmm. That was his word, which I totally agree with. Mm. <laughs> That's what I've seen. I'll talk about not having any defense. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. When you. No, I'm sad. <laughs> At Razor Joey underscore Joe, when you look at all the Western teams playing today, it does not bode well for the Preds. They have to win the next three. Not a question, but um, yeah. I mean, consider where the Preds are in the Western Conference right now. I mean, they're not buried, but there is a huge mountain ahead of them. I mean, they forget Chicago. I mean, Chicago's way up there. They can't even reach like Minnesota. I mean, they're barely scraping along with like Winnipeg and and really Dallas is right there with them. But the the Western Conference is a tough tough hill to climb when you get down. Which is which is weird because the Pacific is kind of not good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, they might not be standings wise, but I mean, do you think that at the end of the year that the Ducks, Kings, Sharks, and Oilers are just going to be cakewalks? I don't think so. No, but they're still not like exceptional teams. I mean, they're better than like the Oilers yeah. are are fine, and Los Angeles is, you know, still kind of on the other side of the hill, fading into the sunset. But mm-hmm. the Predators should be beating these guys instead. They're behind the Jets. I think the Flames got hot over the past few games and have managed to jump to the top of the Pacific Division. But if the Preds don't start winning on the road, at least they need to be at least five hundred and maybe bump up a few more wins in order to get to five hundred on the road. That's sort of what they need to do in order to even make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, at I-24, Preds fan says, uh, we are supposed to have the best D in the league. Why do we seem completely unable to play D? <laughs> um, good point. Um, do, do well, it begs the question, do they still so have the best defense in the league? You can go out and you can buy all the ingredients for a delicious guacamole and still somehow screw it up. Avocado, lemon juice. Lemon juice? Yeah, absolutely. What country do you make? Do you derive your avocado from? It's you, you got to use lime juice. I'm sorry, lime juice. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm like, I'm what so are you making? Are you making like a gin and tonic over I'm here? Sorry. What's, I'm sorry. 
I make gin tonics with lemon, FYI, because people are like, what's he talking about? Oh, okay. I make it with lemon. It's better. Trust me. <clears throat> so anyways, I, I interrupted you. Go ahead with your guacamole analogy. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I It's always weird when I have to go back to something like that. I, just Okay, I'll just say it again. You can buy all the ingredients, but you can still end up with bad guacamole. I mean, you can forget an ingredient. You can uh, let the, gu- the the avocados exposed to air for too long. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong, even though you have all the ingredients being super, super tasty and and seemingly obvious as guacamole. Or you can end up with bland guacamole if you don't mm-hmm. season it properly. You or you know, for example, cumin. Please add cumin to your guacamole. I will do that now. You got, you have to do that. Um, and it's those little things that make a difference. And it's just the predators have the elements, but they're not either they're not coming together or they're not put together correctly. There's something missing. Right. Um, or the combination or, you know, the 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 onion could have been chopped too thickly. I mean it's just there's so many little things, and it's hard, and, and that's what we've been talking about a lot, both during the show and prior to the show, and I spent some time on today trying to figure out exactly what's wrong with this team, and it's a bit perplexing at times. Yeah, when They aren't gelling, and what eventually, what happens is that every single person on defense, especially because they're so good, they try to work too hard and get outside of themselves, so that creates even more breakdowns. You have at home, you know, doing crazy stupid things trying to get the puck up the ice same thing with suvan right exactly. so that's where that leads to more breakdowns yeah so I, they're just kind of they're all pulling the cart in different directions exactly. as hard as they can there you go um at again this is just a comment at brandy Cornguth says this team is too talented to be playing this inconsistently and uninspired quite frankly it's just embarrassing agreed yep. agreed agreed, agreed. Yeah. uh at kyle hancock this is a question sort of uh i'm angry at the lack of consistency what would each of you change to make it happen? Lines, prospects, call up, anything like that. Cumin. <laughs> cumin. Add some cumin. Okay, well, I was thinking about this. Um, I don't. There's definitely not any call-ups that would fix anything, except for possibly keeping UC Soros on the roster for longer than seven days consecutive. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Levy Let's currently got the uh, the Ken Hitchcock version of the backup goaltender <laughs> carousel going. <laughs> right. Exactly. Trade for Matt Duchesne. Okay. Like, fix the two C situation. It's not right. working. That's a good that's a good solution. Now, it's an expensive solution. It's probably not gonna happen solution. And it's probably but not gonna happen. <laughs> just like for uh, Micro Barrow, especially on the power play, it like, every game it just gets worse and worse. You're talking earlier in the season about him him running out of, you know, craps to give. And yeah. that, that has happened. Right. Um at Meeks hang on, what's this? At Meeks one oh two. Uh is our collective love for Arvidsson equal to Trotz's love of Matt Halishuk? Trotz did love himself some Matt Halishuk. I don't know. I think we love like Victor Arvidsson more. Arvidsson's probably a better player too. Oh well, I mean, yeah, Arvidsson is definitely a better player than Matt Halishuk. I mean, is Matt Halishuk even in the league anymore? I doubt it. Unless he plays for the Capitals. Like I know he bounced around through some Canadian cities for a while, but I lost track of him. I don't. I don't have any idea. I, I've stopped looking at Matt Halaschek's hockey reference page. Uh, but you know, I, I no. I, I think. I think our our love for Arvidsson is far deeper than the, than the Halaschek one. Okay. Uh, at Zach Allen. I'm oh, sorry. At at Z Allen zero two zero. I don't want to overreact, but could a shakeup be coming? Would love to kick Colorado while they're down and swipe Duchesne. We just talked about that. There's it's probably not going to happen. Um, at FMFT ball manager. Well, before we move on, I oh, think yeah, yeah. I, actually, that made me think of just one thing. Uh, this is what's going to be interesting because you talk about shakeups. 
I feel like the Predators are fairly shake-up-averse, at least David Poyle is. So given how things have been going and some of the struggles, it's going to be really interesting. I don't have an answer, but it's going to be really interesting to see how Poyle handles it through the rest of the season, into the offseason especially, if the Predators continue their current pattern and fall, find themselves on the wrong side of the wildcard spots. Well, at mm. this time last year, I think, well, it was later last year, but that's when the Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson trade happened. Yep. And we saw what that did. Yeah, but the, now they've added all these pieces. I mean, yeah. how, how often can David Poyle flip assets like this to Make get some, the better things? I mean, he, he, ha- he had some really serendipitous trades line up. Yeah. Um, between both, but you know, it, whatever you feel, I know there's some conflicting opinions with Weber Subban as far as the general fan base, but you know that was serendipity. The Jones Johansson one for one, same thing. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I but a shakeup like a proper shakeup. I mean, the, the only proper shakeup that sounds like that would be that would be equal to those would be getting Matt Duchesne. Um and I think we would all agree that would change the team drastically because we would they would have a real 2C really just a second 1C that would be very yeah. would totally change the complexion yeah, of that team. I, I think the, the 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 main barrier to that is that what Colorado needs is depth pieces. They need a, they need so much depth in that team to cover the, some of the holes they have. Right. You don't trade Matt Duchesne for a big package of depth players. Right, no. You're going to want, you want, you, you trade a guy like Matt Duchesne, you get something back. You're going to get good players. Uh, so, I mean, at that point, you're blowing, you're also having, you're also having to re- reevaluate how you approach the expansion draft because yeah. you're going to have to give up a guy like Yarn Croker or, um, you know, Arvidsson to get a guy like Duchesne probably. Yeah. Because uh, they're going to expect some like for like and then, you know, various pieces. So it's just... Uh, yeah, I would think that they would need at least at least one or two pieces that would play now yeah. and one or two pieces down the road. Yeah, because I think, I think the Predators are out of prospects they can straight up trade for, you know, I don't know, they, elite would, forwards. Yeah, right, right. Um, at FMFT Ball Manager, F- FM Football Manager. F- football Man? What? It, F- football Manager? Football Manager? Football Manager? I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> um... That's his Twitter name. Anyways, he just says, how is it that we are making making it look like the goalie played his best game of the year against us? That is something that it just it seems like that happens every time the Predators shoot. And I think that, uh, um, you know, we kind of tweeted about this last night, that uh, the, the Predators tend to shoot to the chess logo a lot. They tend to pound these sort of low percentage shots into the goalie and get their confidence up. And, and all of a sudden you look up and Mike Smith has 44 saves. So I totally agree with you uh, at FMFT football manager guy. Let's get one more. How about it? Let's find one more. Um, Hope it's a good one. <laughs> now there's a lot of pressure here. Um, I don't understand that one, so I guess I'm not going to read that one. Oh, okay. Here we go. A lighter question. This comes from at Dunlap. What do you think an Adidas takeover will do to the team jersey, and should we have an alt jersey again? Uh, right in your wheelhouse, Link. Yeah, it is. So I'll answer the easy part first. Um, there is, I mean, should the Predators have an alternate jersey? Um, I, I think that's kind of a weird phrasing of the question. The Predators are not going to have an alternate jersey. I mean, this is kind of a widely known thing. that The team has been very upfront about this. Mm-hmm. They are going to keep just having the gold jersey until everyone in Nashville owns three gold jerseys. <laughs> and then they're going to they're gonna wait five years, and then they'll release a third jersey that's also gold. Um, just different shade, or no? It's gonna be the exact same jersey. Just, just they're gonna call it a third jersey. It's gonna like the logo is gonna be different. 
Um, it's going to be like slightly to the left or something. I mean, it's just they're, they're all in on the brands. The only thing they're going to change, I think the helmets last year count as, technically count as a third jersey according to the rule book. So, yeah, the Predators had a third jersey. It was a gold helmet last year, and they made that permanent. So, I mean, they're just going to find something else to turn gold and call that a third jersey, and they're going to keep doing that until every damn thing in the building is gold. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the Adidas Temple, I mean, this is the big mystery. I mean, everyone was hoping with the... Uh, Golden Knights, Las Vegas Golden Knights, Reve- oh, sorry, Vegas Golden Knights. I don't want to make sure I have that loss out yeah, of right, there. Yeah, right, right. Um, I guess they didn't want to have the word loss in the name. I, Lost, I, loss to lose, loss. Oh, I didn't yeah. even think about that. Um, I thought it was just because it's cleaner. Yeah, because Golden Knights is, is, is freaking polished <laughs> as hell. Um, Vegas Knights is awesome. That, that's cool. Loss, Vegas told, Golden no, Knights. Ve- Vegas Knights is just like the hedgehog level. Um so everyone was hoping that there'd be a jersey reveal with uh, that. And people who, I mean, it was possible, but typically a lot of jersey reveals tend to fall around the draft. Um, I mean, Winnipeg, of course, missing the mark there and having a generic jersey. But So that's really the next time we'll probably have a chance of seeing one is whatever the uh, Golden Knights give out at the, at the draft, um, where we'll probably see jersey handed out. So it, there's a lot of speculation. Um, you know, Adidas, of course, at this point, they changed their template this year for soccer uh, teams, and they now have three stripes underneath the arm rather than going down the shoulder. Uh, like so it's going for the down. World Cup of Hockey? Hmm? Like they had for the World Cup of Hockey, where they had the stripes down the side. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're probably... I mean, the big question is if, if they're going to enforce that because that's going to be a, a really difficult element to work around, especially for a team like, um, yeah, I th- yeah, I th- like I think about the Red Wings, mm-hmm. who are famous for having the exact same jersey forever. So uh, th- they strike me as definitely a team that's like, can you just make those stripes red? And at that point, Adidas is like, no, that's our branding logo. They have <laughs> to be a different color. It's going to be really interesting, especially um, with with fans because with as adverse as fans tend to be. Now they're going to have like forced stripes, possibly. I mean, it's tough to say. Yeah. Um. I. I you know. I. I. I would like if um they took the opportunity the the team to simplify the jerseys a little bit. Uh, I'm not so anti piping as a lot of people. I like the piping. Um. I don't mind piping. I don't either. I think it looks. I think the weird like U inverted U shape it makes on the on the Predators home jersey. Yeah. Is yeah. a little White. bit odd. Um, no, the, the, that's the right. But I, I, it's a little bit. I like the little fangs. I like the, the cute little fangs. I do too. Have. I think those are that's a fun, interesting element. But I, I think you can clean up the piping a little bit, and the jerseys are fine. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a mystery. No one really has any insight, unfortunately. Yeah, I think we probably should have seen stuff, something from Adidas earlier. When I was last up in Alberta, we were looking for some um, particular Connor McDavid jersey with like the orange alternate and we couldn't find it because literally they were basically waiting to get the new stuff in and oh. they hadn't been sent anything so they were sort of like just getting rid of all their old stuff mm-hmm. um all right so we'll, we'll close up the the twitter the twitter bag for uh for the time being um you guys had some some really good questions and comments we appreciate that i did want to before we get to the week ahead i want to mention this um what did you guys think of the sort of the in the rest of the rest of the league there was this sort of mini feud kind of thing that that in certain areas of the of the hockey world are just this is all they're talking about Connor mcdavid and um well the oilers and the flyers played a game what was it last tuesday 
And um, if you don't know, last season, Connor McDavid got injured in the Flyers game where Brandon Manning, even though it, it really, there's there's almost no way to call this Brandon Manning's fault, but they were fighting for the puck on the, going down behind the net and uh, Connor McDavid goes down, separates his shoulder and is out for however long he was out, three months or whatever it was. <clears throat> Nothing really came out after that. Months go by, no one really, you know, there was no indication that there was any ill will or any kind of like comment about like it being intentional or anything until last week. Well, I will say that Edmonton fans, some Edmonton fans decided to send Brandon Manning some death threats due oh, to it. Okay. So there was there was some tension so, from okay. Edmonton fans. So amongst among among crazy fanatics who think what they want to think and see what they want to see. Also, Don Cherry. <laughs> until, right, that's what wasn't that what Alex was saying? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and exactly until, until this past week where they played and there was definitely some chippiness and Connor McDavid after the game um, said that um, he got the indication on the ice or something that Brandon Manning intended to hurt him and called him classless and it really just didn't make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, he so, called McDavid called him cla- Manning classless. Manning called David uh, classless, and then the Great Wing came out and said everyone's classless except McDavid. It's a special. Oh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> so it became this whole thing that shouldn't have been a thing that is somehow still a thing. Well, McDavid said in the post game scrum, he said he spent all of last year, you know, defending Manning to the press and like, yeah, no, he didn't right. mean to do that, and you know, everything's all good. And then apparently Manning on the ice was like making fun of him for getting hurt or, you know, saying that he'd done it on purpose. And apparently McDavid thought that that was crossing a line. I don't know. I just think it's funny. <laughs> Here you have McDavid showing some actual personality and some anger in an interview, and everybody's like, oh, my Whatever. God, he's whining too much in an interview. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's 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 player stuff. Uh, you know, I'm sure there were probably a bunch of things thrown around the ice and words and and you know, I'm, I'm sure somebody said something stupid, or multiple people said something stupid as a as a joke, like a, a barb on right. the ice, and and it was misinterpreted. You know, it, it's any number of things happened, and you know, it, it is what it is. Right. I mean, I I think it's such a good good on McDavid, good for a little bit of excitement, but um, I think fans made a big deal in media. Mm-hmm. It's definitely media made a made a big deal out of out of nothing. Stop stop crushing the personality of the, out of these players. That's a good point. Uh, let's close it up by looking at the week ahead. Um, the Predators play three games this week. They play Tuesday versus the Blues at home, Thursday versus the Wild at home. First time we've seen the Wild this year, and then Saturday versus the New York Rangers. So that is VZ VZ Watch um, kicks it back in <laughs> in session on Saturday. Uh, three home games. Um. I think we are all probably just hesitant to even suggest on a number of points to get six. We'll just okay. So they, we'll, they're going to get. They, they need six points. They need six. Okay. Well, I, I'm caught between kind of what they need and what the, what the, what I expect will happen, and then probably what will actually happen. I I I wouldn't be shocked if they go one and two. If they lose one, if they lose two, and and I don't know, beat the wild maybe. I wouldn't be shocked if they go zero oh and three. Yeah. Like I'm sort of at that point. The only thing that makes me more hopeful is that it isn't home, and they do play better at home. So we'll we'll see we'll see if that works out. Um, I know I'll be at the game Saturday. Uh, you guys going to the games? Planning on it. Okay. Blink is not going to the games because um, number sixty three is still on the roster. Who's number sixty three? I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, all right, so that's going to do it for us. We appreciate you listening to the podcast as usual, brought to you by On The Forecheck. Uh, you can listen to the show or follow the show on Twitter at On The Forecheck. Uh, you can follow me at AlexDarty1. You can follow Chris Link at at 3D Link. Maria at underscore Maria underscore K. Uh, once again, we appreciate it. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Don't stare into the sun. I'm left here with a smoking gun. Right back where I've been.